And what can we say about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Anybody know him? Come on, let's give our great Savior great praise in this place. Come on, come on, come on. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Will you stand to your feet? And I would that uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me just for a few moments. We have a few moments, and then we look forward to being back tonight uh, in evening worship. Uh, but I want to call your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and beginning at verse 11. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 11. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins and when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had not eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days ago I fell sick. Verse 14 says, We made an invasion upon the south of the Chiritites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt not neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. God bless the hearers, readers, and doers of his most holy word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Allow me to read in your hearing the latter part of verse 13 where this young man shares who he is and gives his identity. He says, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And listen closely to what he said, and my master left me. And my master left me. If you allow me to add to that, my master left me when I needed him. But he left me because three days ago I fell sick. I want to talk about mission leftover. Can everybody say mission leftover? <laughs> Clap your hands and praise God for the word of God. Mission <laughs> leftover. I've come to understand in this walk with God that all of us have a purpose. All of us have a call. Life itself in fact, is a journey in fulfilling the purposes and visions that God gives unto us. But how many people can denote the fact that life is also full of changes? Life is full of transitions. And the reality is that change must be faced. Can you look at somebody next to you and say, change must be faced? But oddly enough, the majority of people who you will encounter will disdain or totally be uncomfortable with change. And I've discovered that there are an array of reasons why people do not like change. And nevertheless, one of the most challenging aspects of change is letting go of people and things that are no longer beneficial to not only where you are, but where you are destined to go. And this further complicates things because these people and these things that we have become accustomed to, they have been a part of our lives for such a long time. 
And so no wonder it's hard to let go. As a matter of fact, there was a song, and please don't kick me out of the church, but I heard a song say, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday because it becomes a major challenge on every level because of the comfort that we've adapted to the things that are no longer beneficial to us. We become so comfortable, we often, check this out, ignore the toxic nature that has been birthed through these experiences and we are now more accepting to these expired connections. Everybody say expired connections. None of us would ever consider drinking old milk. None of us would even consider eating contaminated meat or even taking some old moldy bread and making a sandwich out of it. But interestingly enough, we would not digest or consume spoiled beverages or foods, but expired relationships and stalled partnerships. Often, we are willingly tolerating them all of the time. And then we began to consider the number of relationships that have deterred our lives from connecting us simply because there was no space available for those who would, God would bring in our lives to sit on the bus of our lives. And currently these seats in our lives are occupied by those who should have exited a long time ago. They should have exited a long time ago, and now uh, they are detouring or uh, they're holding back relationships that need to be forged. And I know that these people have done some great things in your life, in your past, and that these things have served as even perhaps symbols of prior success. But if they hold you back or cause you to stand still when you should be moving forward, look at somebody say, it's time to let them go. And letting them go, the reality is, is what really separates good people from great people. Because as I said earlier, all of us have a purpose and all of us should have a vision. When you talk about purpose, purpose answers the question why. Everybody say why. It gives the motive, the motivation by which God has actually created you. You were created for a reason. And I found out that it's important to find out and discover the reason why God created you. Because if you're not careful, when you don't know your purpose, somebody else can give you a purpose. If you're not careful, people will tell you what you look like you ought to be doing. But I found out you're going to need more than you all look like you need to get married to then to get married just on those basis. You're going to need more than you look like a preacher to be a preacher. The reality is you need God to have already spoken a word over your life. And I tell people all the time, if people come in your life at this point and try to tell you what your purpose is, sometimes you may need to respond back to them. You're a little bit too late because God, before the foundation of the world was framed, he had already predetermined your why and your purpose. Not only does he give us a purpose, but he also gives us a vision for our lives. The question why is answered in our purpose, but then vision talks about our future and gives us how we will fulfill our purpose. But what I've discovered about purpose and vision, they're not always peaches and cream. As a matter of fact, they are two partners that bring a lot of dark moments and it bring low valleys, it bring thorns, but ultimately it produces days with sunshine, high lofty mountains and bushels of roses. And so we must embrace the idea of change and transition and the transition that must be made to embrace the people who are scheduled to be a part of the team you need to win requires a thorough cleaning of things and people who must go.
And these individuals, sadly, sometimes may have to be some of your family members. Sometimes it may be some friends or some loved ones that you grew up with or experienced memorable experiences with and shared lasting encounters. But let me tell you this, they now seem ill-equipped and incompatible for the challenges you are currently facing. Yeah, you can remember the days when you would call them and without hesitation, they could easily relate to your challenges and provide you with insight to overcome the current obstacles that you face. But now it seems that, that you all don't relate the same way you once did and every conversation looked like becomes pointless and unfulfilling. And then on top of that, there are some things that you once did that brought you great satisfaction or places that you used to get away and go to now your desires and your focus is changing so rapidly and now there's no no opportunity to feel fulfillment from those relationships and so many people even are sitting here under the sound of my voice you are so afraid of the change that tomorrow will bring that instead of letting go you hold on even tighter to comfortable contamination and God says, I want to bring you into a new season. I want to bring you into new relationships and bring you into new situations that is waiting on you to help you fulfill the purpose and the vision God has given to you. Can I make an announcement in this place today? Do not miss your destiny simply because you refuse to release your decaying past. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, do not miss your destiny because you won't let go of your decaying past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me and I'm reaching for those things which are before me, he says, I press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout, let it go, let it go. Better yet, somebody need to shout, let them go, let them go. Some people, they are pressing you down. Some people are holding you back. But God says, I have something better in store for you. Anybody believe better is in your future? I dare you to clap your hands like the devil between them and shout, better, better, better. One of the most significant and interesting characters in the Bible is King David. Many of us celebrate when he becomes king but we're not reminded often of the journey or the rise that he had to go through to get to the place that God has so purposed him to be. The Bible lets us know that when he had rejected King Saul, God had already selected David to be the next king over the nation of Israel. And every time I talk about this story, I cannot help but be reminded that all of us are replaceable. Sometimes we feel like that we are irreplaceable. But I heard somebody say it like this, one monkey does not stop a show. Let me tell you something, life will move on with or without you. If you don't believe me, die. They'll come to your funeral, they'll eat your chicken, they'll stand over your grave and cry, and a few weeks later, life will move on. And so is the kingdom of God. If you don't want to do what God has called for you to do, God already has somebody selected to take your place. God had already selected David to be the next king over the nation of Israel and he tells the prophet, I want you to go to Bethlehem and there I want you to go to the house of Jesse and I want you to anoint the next king over the nation of Israel. Many of you Sunday school students know the story of how when he gets there to the house of Jesse, Jesse has seven older sons that look like kings. They talk like kings. They walk like kings. 
things. And so the reality was Jesse thought because of seniority and thought because of the order in which they were born that they would be in line to receive this anointing. So he, par he paraded his older sons before the prophet of God. But the Bible said that the prophet of God would pronounce that man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart and the Lord has not chosen this. And the man of God says, I know God sent me here to the house of Jesse. There has to be a king around here somewhere. And he says, well, I have one more son, but I don't think that's the one because he's a strange little kid. He's the youngest kid. Now, he's faithful. He watches over my sheep. As a matter of fact, he rarely smells good because he's always outside around the sheep. And then, not only that, but he's a little odd because he has this little homemade harp that he pluck on the strings every now and then. And I can imagine, Jesse said, I went out the other day and heard him singing one of those made-up songs that he came up with. What was he singing? He was singing, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I went back another day. I heard him singing another song that said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I have, does he have any other songs? He said, yes, I heard him sing another song that said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. He says, he's a worshiper. He's a singer. He smells like sheep. But I know that he cannot be the one that God is going to make king. And the prophet said, bring him in the house. When he came in the house, the oil that would not flow on the others that looked like it, that talked like it, that walked like it, the others that were not rejected, God did not allow the oil to pour out on them. But when David shows up in the house, the horn of oil opened up and the oil of God flowed on him. Can I stop right here to tell somebody that has been rejected, the door has been slammed in your face, people told you you were not the one, God sent me all the way from Memphis to tell somebody the oil is about to flow on your life. Anybody believe that in this house? They didn't call your name. They didn't invite you to the table. They didn't even ask you to be a part of it. But God said the oil is about to flow. David had to deal with rejection even from his own household. But notice what I said earlier in changing of relationships. When your seasons change, your relationships will change. The people around you will change. You can tell a lot about the season that you're in by looking who's around you. The Bible said that when David shifts and gets closer to becoming king over the nation of Israel, it was not an easy rise. It's amazing to me that people feel like just because you have an anointing that you won't have any opposition. Some people believe that because you have an anointing and a call that you will not have a challenge. But let me tell you something, people of God, when God's hand is on your life and when there's an anointing and a call on your life, you are fighting against the demons of darkness and the enemy is not going to let you go by that easy. But here's the reason why you really need to be shouting because what the enemy meant for your evil, God takes all of that and work it out for your good. For we know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. As a matter of fact, some of you wishing that your enemy died. No, you need your enemy to live a little while longer so you can have a celebration. He said he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. 
David gets an anointing, but then he comes under attack. He has an anointing, but he comes under great challenge and opposition. If you allow me to cut some corners here, the Bible said that King Saul was enraged against him. And he finds himself dealing with rejection again. What do you do when you deal with rejection from your home and you're left out there for the cold? And then when you have a king that leaves you out there, you're dealing with rejection. And now he's dealing with a whole lot of other rejects. The Bible said that he finds himself with 600 men who were rejects. They were the scum of society. As a matter of fact, when you really read it, it almost looks as if they were a bunch of gangsters together. But the Bible said as they are running from King Saul, they end up in a Philistine city by the name of Ziklag. When they get in Ziklag behind enemy lines, God still gives them favor. And then they go out one day to fight against Israel. And here David and his gang join in with Philistia. But the king says, go back home. We don't trust you. You may get out and turn on us. And so when they get back after three days of journeying, they find the city of Ziklag on fire. Not only do they find the city on fire, but the Bible said when they get a little closer, their wives and their children were kidnapped. Let me say this to you. Let me just put this point in there. Notice that when they were out of position, when the men were out of position in their homes, when the men were out of position covering their families, then the enemy slipped in and kidnapped them. And the same thing is happening today. Whenever men are out of place and they are not taking the responsibility, the enemy will always try to slip in. The Bible says that they, they kidnap their women and their children. The city is on fire. Their houses are burnt down. And the 600 men turn on David. Here David again, he's dealt with rejection from his home, rejection from the government, and now he has rejection from his friends. And the Bible said as he's being blamed for all that is happening, David did something that somebody needs to learn how to do right now. The Bible said he encouraged himself. In the Lord his God. Every now and then the preacher may not preach your sermon. The prophet may not call your name out to give you a prophecy. But you better learn how to encourage yourself. I dare you look at somebody and tell you, you better learn how to encourage yourself. Sometimes you need to get in the mirror. Sometimes you need to pick up your phone and put a selfie on and start prophesying to your own self and say, I am blessed and highly favored. Everything is going to be all right. I am the righteousness of God. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. I see me in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. Sometimes you got to speak over yourself. He encouraged himself, and the Bible said that he prayed. Now, this is what I love about David's commune with God. He asked God two questions, but God gave him three answers. Because now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in us, he said, number one, God, shall I pursue? Number two, shall I overtake? God said, I'm going to give you three answers. Yes, pursue. Then he said, yes, overtake. And here comes the gravy. Here comes the extra. He said, and without fail, David, you shall recover all. 
I wonder, is there anybody in this place? You've lost some things. The enemy came in like a flood and tried to overturn, overthrow everything you have. I have an announcement for West Angeles today. You will restore. You will be restored. You will recover everything that the enemy has taken from you. Is there anybody here got to take some things back? Take back your family. Take back your marriage. Take back your ministry. Take back your future. Take back your destiny. Look at somebody say, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. As a matter of fact, I'm going down in the enemy's camp and take back everything that the enemy stole from us. David gets this word from the Lord. Now he is in pursuit. He has this assurance, but the reality is he has a word, but he really doesn't know how he's going to recover all. But look at God changes his circle again because the 600 men then wants to get back on the bandwagon. But the Bible says when they get to the brook Bezor, 400 out of 600 men said, we're going back. So David now is left with 200 people to go after what he believed God has promised him. Do not think it's strange when your circle gets smaller as you get closer to fulfillment of your destiny and your purpose. Some of you crying about, they don't hang with me no more. They don't call me no more. And I found out sometimes when you don't cut it off, God will let situations rise up to cut it off. 200 was left with him. Here they are walking through the wilderness trying to find their wives and their children. And here is the text. The Bible said they come across a young man who looks like he's dead. Now he's laying there obviously in a state where he is weakened and emaciated in his body. And this is what I love about David. David was not so focused on what he wanted that he could not stop to help somebody else that needed help. Because when you've really been through something, when you come out of it, you're more sensitive to the situation. In other words, a leftover knows another leftover. The reason why some of us can't join the missions ministry because we act like we haven't been through anything. But it's something about when you come out of something, you can go back and help somebody else. And here David is, he walks upon this young man, even though he has a need, even though he has something that he desires of God, he sees somebody else in distress. And he goes on the mission field, interrupting his will to try to get his family back. The Bible said the first thing they do, he doesn't take oil and pour all over the man. He doesn't take him and lay hands on him and shake him and tell him to call Jesus, 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 Jesus. But what does he do? He gives him some food and some water. I wish I had a church in here. See, the reality is some of us, we're being so spiritual that we miss the real aspect of what ministry is all about. I love praising God. I'm a praiser. But let me tell you something. There's more to the kingdom of God than shouting and dancing. See, don't, don't just talk to me about my Savior, but also while you're talking to me about my Savior, my stomach is growling. While you're talking to me about the Savior, I may need some water to drink. As a matter of fact, Jesus reminded us of it. He said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I need a shelter, you, you provide it for me. Don't be so caught up in trying to be grand and wonderful until you forget about the young man laying out in the field. The Bible says that when he found that young man, they fed him. His strength came back to him. 
Notice what the Bible said that then after his strength come back to him, David said, now who are you and where did you come from? Notice the young man's response. He says, I am a young man from Egypt and I am a slave to the Amalekites. Now notice what he starts doing. He starts spilling the beans. That's why I say this was a divine connection because when the young man started talking about who he was, he said, I'm a servant to the Amalekites and a few days ago we went down to this city called Ziklag and we burned up everything there and we kidnapped the women and the children and then I fell sick and then the people that I helped, the people that I st stood with and went through with, they left me out here for cold. When I needed them, I fell sick and they were nowhere to be found. Now here the here's the blessing of this. Remember, David doesn't know how he's going to find his wife and children. But the answer was tied in obscurity with somebody that he could not even imagine that God's going to use him to bring me to the place that I will be able to restore everything and reclaim everything that I had. The answer was laying in the field. Can I say to you that somebody in this room, you may not recognize that your next great big blessing is not going to be going to come by just posting something on a website. It's not going to come by just posting something on Facebook. But could it be that the ministry that you pass by every day will unlock the door to the answers that you need from God? The Bible said that this man begins to tell everything and David, his light bulb comes on in his head. He says, young man, can you tell us where they are? And notice what happened with this leftover. That's why it's a blessing to be a leftover sometimes. That's why it's a blessing sometimes that they do kick you out. That's a blessing sometimes that they don't invite you to the table because the young man was able to bargain with David and say, listen, if I show you where they are, can you spare my life? Can you let me live? In other words, what this suggests to us is if the young man had continued with the group, eventually David would come to the group and destroy the entire group. But because he was a leftover, he was left out. His life was spared. Can I tell somebody in this room, you may have been left out, looked over, reached over, but thanks be to God because the reality is being a leftover spared your life. Look at somebody say, I may be a leftover, but I'm still some good. So look at the twofold thing here. The Bible said that the leftover's life was saved and changed, but then David got what he needed from God. Can I say to you again, people of God, we cannot weaken the eye of the needs of our communities, our cities, and our nations. The more we give, the more God will give back to us. But the other reality is some of us are like that young man. We have been used and abused, and we have been left out there, left for dead. But I got good news for somebody here this morning that God is not through with you yet. As a matter of fact, look at somebody and say, God is not through with the leftover yet. I found out that leftovers are still some good. When I was growing up, one of the first things that my mother taught us, hey man, she would cook, look like for days. And one of my favorite dishes that she would cook was spaghetti. And when she would cook the spaghetti the first time, it tasted real good. But it's something about putting it in a container and closing the top on it and put it in the refrigerator and let it chill overnight. And then when you take it out the next day, look like the spaghetti had allowed all of the marinades and all of the spices to sit and settle and get in every piece of the meat. And when you warm it up the next day, the spaghetti tastes better the second day than it did the first day. In other words, we didn't throw food away. 
We learn how to keep it and conserve it and preserve it because leftovers sometimes are always better. Why don't you look at somebody and say, neighbor, tell them leftovers are still some good. Now tell them I may be a leftover, but I'm still some good. Some people may toss you to the side. Some people may leave you for dead. But thank God that God, he does not forget about us. Somebody in this room today, the enemy's been trying to depress you. He's been trying to distress you. Somebody even at the point of suicide because of the relationships that have shifted and changed. But God told me to tell you that he spared your life until the fourth Sunday in April of 2019. And just like that young man rose again, God told me to tell you you're getting ready to rise again. Shake somebody's hand and say, neighbor, tell them, get ready. You're going to rise again. I come to preach and prophesy to tell somebody in this room that it may seem rough, it may seem tough, and it looks like you're out for the count, but I come to prophesy to tell somebody here that no matter what you've been through, that better days are ahead. You've sown in tears, but you're going to reap in mercy. For weeping may do it for a night but joy is coming in the morning shake somebody's hand one more time and say neighbor I may be crying right now but tell them joy is here right now say yes I gotta quit I gotta let you go but there's some people in this room it looks like there's been some things that have died on you look like your marriage is dead your family is dead. Your ministry is dead. Your business is dead. Your career is dead. Some of you may be even a pastor. Look like your church is dead. But God sent me all the way from Memphis to tell somebody, get ready. That's getting ready to be a resurrection. I heard Jesus say, go ahead. Drive the nails in my hand. Go ahead. Drive the nails in my feet. But I'll rise I'll rise again. Look at somebody say, I'll rise again. It may be rough right now, but I'll rise again. And the other thing that I love about leftovers, any leftovers in here, let me see you wave your hand. Is that a leftover? Always have a leftover praise out of all the enemy does to you, out of all he pushed you through. Is there anybody here that got a praise left over. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, I got a hallelujah left over. I got a thank you, Jesus, left over. I got a glory left over. And when you praise them, when praises go up, blessings come down. When praises go up, miracles come down. When praises go up, breakthrough God comes down. Lift up your hand. Throw your head back and send up a praise. Send up a shout. Send up a glory. Come on, leftover. Come on, give him praise. Lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. 
I gotta quit. I gotta let you go. But that's one last thing. I need to leave with every mission worker. That's one last thing. I need to leave with every leftover. In the words of the hymn writer, be not dismayed. Whatever be tired, God will take care of you beneath his wings of love abide. Tell somebody God will take care of you. Can I get a witness here? Won't he take care of you? Won't he make a way out of no way? Won't he bring you out? Won't he turn it around? If you believe it, don't wait till the battle is over. But shout Come on and shout right now. Give him praise right now. Come on, throw your head back and give him glory. Hey, 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 hey. Come on, build your mouth and praise him. Come on out of your bed and give him glory. Reach out and touch the person standing next to you. I may be a leftover but I'm still some good. While you're still holding that hand, you just may be holding the hand of someone who's been left out, who knows the key to your destiny may be sitting right next to you, helping somebody else. As a matter of fact, I feel inclined and impressed in my spirit that as we join hands all over this building, I want you to open up your mouth and pray for that person whose hand that you're holding right now. You don't have to worry about yourself because somebody is praying for you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Come on, come on, open up your mouth. Let them hear that you pray. Let them hear that concern in your voice. You don't have to know everything that they're going through. But we do know who can turn everything around. Come on, pray, 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 pray. Somebody need that anointing that's on your life. Somebody need that prayer that you're praying right now. Command the favor and the blessings of the Lord to rest upon their life. Command healing to their body in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Just a few more moments. Pray, 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 pray. Lord, I don't know what my brother, my sister are going through right now. But you already know. I pray that you will stretch out your hand. Let deliverance come. Touch right now. I pray that you would move in every area of their lives. Oh God, we thank you that someone has been dealing with rejection, but we come against the spirit of rejection because the reality is, God, the rejection was for our protection. Hallelujah. We thank you right now that you're making ways for your people. Thank you for miracle signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus, while you still have that hand, I want us to join together, lift up our voices like a trumpet in Zion and give our God another great praise with our voice. Come on, open up your mouth. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. Hey, 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 hey. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is here. Before I take my seat, I want to offer Christ to someone today. 
there may be a leftover. But thanks be to God that we have a Savior who in no wise will cast us out. But he stands here today. I can see him in the spirit with his arms stretched wide open. And you can come home. You may be a backslider once knew the Lord, but you strayed away. Let this be your day, your moment that you're resurrected to new life. If you want to be saved, you want to give your heart to Jesus. If you're ready for a life change, step out from your seat and meet us down here at this altar. Less than one minute, your life will never be the same again. Somebody clap your hands and praise God in this place. Come on, God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Come on, come on. If you're in the balcony, I want you to step out from where you are. God's presence is here right now.